0: Starting a new series today on the life of the king of Israel, in particular the divided kingdom. He was taking care of the south, Judah. His name is Hezekiah. His name means something special that is, Jehovah is my strength. And there's a lot of names, as you see them in the scriptures, that symbolize their lives. And this particular king. This name symbolized his life. Uh, boy, I remember as a young Christian, evangelists come in and preachers once in a while come in and say, and, and would y'all please turn to First Hezekiah, chapter number, you know, given up. Anybody, that, they do that to you too? Did you ever hear that? And you're always thinking, isn't there a book in there, in Hezekiah? Those who you don't know yet, you kind of got by now, there's not a book of Hezekiah. But it is a name that we hear. And it's kind of funny, as I got older as a Christian, I'm thinking, I hear people talking about Hezekiah, but I've never heard any preached about the name and word and the ministry of Hezekiah. And so that's what we're going to do for a while. I was having my devotions and going through uh, the Kings and the Chronicles some time ago, and as I was starting to look at his life and seeing some of the depth, I thought, man, this guy is good there's some powerful things stated about him even in this text now today is going to be some preliminary so if you didn't get a good night's sleep last night i apologize ahead of time because i need to give you some facts i need to give you some background behind this man in particular about his father and how the day israel and judah get to this place because It is a mess. And you look at this day and age that we live in, and a lot of us as Christians who look at America and look at the world and look at what is going on, and we have the same question. How did we get into this mess? It didn't happen overnight. But I'm here to say that there was a man, a king, who stood up. And he determined in his mind that he was going to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, not what was right in the sight of man. And this man, as we see him, and verse number one, matter of fact, this will give us a, a little bit of a understanding of what's going on. Verse one, it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of, now notice this, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. So here we're seeing that Israel and Judah are two different kingdoms. You say, wait a minute, I thought Israel was like all of Israel. And then you think, Judah, I heard that name, isn't that kind of the region? we're, We're getting some of these names down. What happened, and this is where we get into the history behind what happened here, it goes the whole way back to 1 Kings in chapter number 11. There was a man on the throne, David's son Solomon, and through life, he was going in a pretty good direction. And then in chapter 11, we find out that Solomon began to change. His heart was not continually after the Lord. He intermarried, which was forbidden for him to do. He began to intermarry women of different nationalities. And they took his heart from the Lord God, one true living God, and he started to worship other idols. And you say, how in the world would the smartest man at that time period, and even before, go into such debauchery. Um, We'll have to ask him someday. But it happened. In this particular king, because of this great sin, God said to Solomon, because of that sin, he was going to divide the kingdom. There were 12 tribes. As you know, you go back to Jacob. Jacob whose name is changed to Israel, who had 12 sons. Hence, the 12 tribes or 12 sons of Israel. And these sons make up this nation now. And these 12 tribes were unified, well, at least to a point, once David pulled it all together, and even through the time of peace of Solomon. But God says, I'm going to divide these. And they were divided into the north and the south. The north was called Israel. The south was called Judah. The north had ten tribes, the south had two, primarily Judah, Benjamin was the other. And this, what Hezekiah had, was the south. These two, as we get into it uh, in 1 Kings 11, this kingdom was divided in two, Uh, Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and he took care of the south, Jeroboam took care of the north. And he took them immediately into idolatry. The the north, that is, Israel. And as you study, even up through this time period, um, you will see that the north, Israel, never ever had a solid king. They were all losers. That's why, quickly, 722 B.C., they went into captivity under Assyria. The south, though... Continued on until 522 BC under, uh, and they went into captivity through Babylon. Was several weeks ago, we talked about the book of Daniel. Without well, have been during that time period of the captivity of the South Judah, the North had already gone into doomsday. They were already scattered, beat up, divided, and it was it was an absolute mess. But here's here's my point. But the South continued longer before they went into captivity. The reason why? Men like Hezekiah. The reason is, men like Josiah. And the list of other great kings that were involved with Judah. Judah, of course, was a premier tribe. The reason is, you'll know that David, that was his line through Judah. And that was all what was prophesied about concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ of that, the tribe of Judah, the lion, the king, and that's picturing the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is this division of why we see a king of Israel, and we have also a king of of Judah up to this time period. It's not too long from this time period that we'll see all kinds of negative things happening especially with Israel because if you look in the chapter before the prophecy concerning Israel and the the coming down of Assyria and taking over Israel placing them into the captivity and the reason was is they went into idolatry Uh, idolatry you say what's idolatry you know we use these words and we use these terms and we it's almost like it's unrelated to this time period uh, we think of Haiti. Or we we think of, you know, the middle of South America or Africa. These people that they'll cut out trees and they'll cut out stones and and they'll fall down before them and they'll worship them. Or they'll they'll make the sun god or the moon god. They'll, They'll have something out there that they are saying, this is my god. I profess this is my god. This is who I worship. And my goal for my worship towards that one god or the multiple gods is that they're going to protect me, They're gonna provide for me, take care of me, and that I will have longevity of life here. And that's basically the goal of idols. Not real deep. They speak to one who does not even have an ear to hear. Okay? Uh, They wait for answers from one who has a mouth because they made it a mouth, and yet it doesn't even speak to them. Okay? And one portion of scripture says uh, they are like those who have created them. Pretty dumb, <laughs> you know, it's pretty dumb to look at a rock or a piece of wood and say, hey, this is my God, look what I've created. And yet it happens all over the place. Uh, idolatry in America, it doesn't maybe have a symbol that is there saying we worship this. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at the flag and, and some say that we as Christians even worship a flag. We don't worship a flag, it's a representation of our nation and we pledge allegiance to it. This was a place where we live. This is home. I'm not worshiping a flag. I'm not worshiping a nation. I'm not worshiping a government. This is where I live. I love my country. Okay. Some of you too, also. Uh, I know we disagree. With much that's going on, we're getting into that, and we are getting into that. But we are in a nation that idolatry has taken on maybe a new form. There's a lot of things that, as we see idolatry, that God says, "I will have no, you will have no other gods before me. God is number one. Okay, God has created all things underneath Him that picture Him, maybe, in creation. We see the power of His might through creation, etc. All these things that He has created. But God is number one. There is none likened unto Him. There is nothing that He has created underneath Him that is ever to be worshipped. Not even angels are to be worshipped. Okay, in, in our society, it is as though with all of the angels on the outfield, angels on the football field, and angels on TV all over, it's just like there's this infatuation with angels. And by the way, we're not to worship angels. They're not God. They're a created being. Okay? So there's all these images. There's a whole lot of spiritism that we are getting involved with in America, that's come from Europe, that we have taken on, and it's becoming almost a national religion to us, thanks to Oprah. And so this whole principle of of realizing that there's this force in nature that is coming our way, and what we need to do is to tap into this nature because it's God. Okay? And we'll use even Jesus involved with it all. This is where I'm going with it. And so all of a sudden this tying together of Christianity and all of the gods and all the things and his powers and sources and if you believe in Allah and you believe in this one it's all okay because it's all one kind of God and we're all going to the same place anyways folks it's not biblical it's not right and if you have taken that satanic uh, uh, attraction or bait then you have believed a lie and you've been deceived my friend and that is not real popular today to say that. The popular thing to say is we're all going to the same place anyways. And guess what? No we're not. There is this appeal now that's going on in America with idolatry that is trying to take and pull together everything under one umbrella and Christianity is a part of it might even be at the top of the list, but it is still all underneath one. So now, we have these Christian this, Christian that, that actually opposes Scripture and truth. And what we've got to be careful of, and this is what I'm here to talk to you about today, is that there has to be an obedience, a listening to the very truth of the Word of God, And that what we do as Christians is we line up to what it says for us. We cannot fabricate, make with our own hands, who God is. He is not something to be made. He is creator. We don't get to say what God is. We do not have that privilege. God tells us. And so when we start saying, well, listen, today, the Bible isn't relevant for us today. It's an old, outdated book. Book of Genesis, all of those things that were talked about are all spiritualized, symbolic things. God is just kind of just showing us these things. But today, God works in a new and brand new way. And that is not true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is an immutable God. There's no variances, no changing with Him. James chapter number 1. So God, since He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, He has laid down principles for us to live by. We are in the New Testament, not in the Old. I understand that. But what you will see is a reiteration in the New Testament of what God confirmed from the Old Testament. I'm not placing you back under the law. I'm not doing that today. But what I am telling you is God has laid down principles for us to live by, and man is tired of God's ways. And that's the bottom line. God is holy, righteous. His goals for you and I are far above what man could ever even imagine or think. And so anytime we take God off of the throne and place something back up on it that we reverence and follow, that has become an idol to us. For America, materialism has become a God. The more we have, the more we, things we have, and that's what our mind is totally consumed with, is things that it has become a God to us. The love of money that we will cut down, terrorize, do whatever it takes so that we have more, has become the American way. It happens at work. Many of you have told me stories about lying and deception so that people will take your job so that they can move up the ladder. That's their that's their that's their God is job, prestige, positions. And we will undermine and even lie and go to church on Sunday and try to tie it all together. And it doesn't work. We're in a mess. America doesn't even think clearly anymore. Since the movement that has happened in America and around the world with internet, this has become something that has become a God. That it is taking the way we think and it has taken God off and we begin to think brand new. Nothing new under the sun. But now that this openness is to all that we can see what is going around the world we begin to adapt the ideas and the philosophies that go against the scriptures and go against Christianity and I'm here to say wait a minute we got to stand up for what the bible says Now listen there's nothing wrong with having a good job getting good pay having a car, having a house, boats, whatever you want. It, it, but the thing is, that can't be what consumes the mindset. You know what? what in Discipleship One, one of my favorite books to teach is on the, on the book of, um, I, I call it greed. Uh, but it's actually called Money and Possessions. You know what that whole book is about? Teaching you and I not to be greedy. Not to have our mind all surrounding about things and money. Because it can come, and it can go. One of the things that Ahaz, the father, had to do, and we'll talk about this in a minute, Ahaz was being attacked, and so to keep his, basically his nation himself alive, he decides to take money and silver and gold from the house of the Lord and from the kingdom, and he actually gives it to the king of Syria to protect him. Money... In that thinking of, I can buy my way out. I can do this with my money. It almost becomes a God. What was he supposed to do as the king of Judah? I think he was supposed to pray. I think he was supposed to actually say, God, I need your help. But you know why he couldn't go to God? Because he didn't love God, he didn't know God. All that he knew were these idols that he had built up as he went down to Damascus, the capital of Syria. He's like, hey, look at these guys. Hey, we can make some like this. He goes back to the priest back at home and he says, tear down the brazen altar. I want you to make one like this. I mean, how low? Now all of a sudden he's in trouble and he's like, boy, I wonder why I'm going through trouble here. Instead of saying, God, I'm wrong and repenting, what he does is he goes to, he goes to the king and says, listen, I get you enough money here. You want to help me out here? And that's kind of where we're at, isn't it? We're always trying to buy our way out. Using the possessions. Folks, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. And this has gone from the system of the world and has penetrated right into the very core of America, right into the core of Christianity, right into the core of Christendom, and and even the churches have become affected and allow themselves to be affected by this by the way folks you cannot separate government and religion care what you say you say well we're going to separate them ain't gonna happen it's all through the scriptures it's all around the world and I studied culture number one thing they always talked about was what is their religion whether it's Catholicism, whether it's voodoo, whether it's Christian, whatever it is, there's, an atti- there's a tie together of the way people think, believe, based on what we believe in. And right now, we as Americans, we as Christian Americans, need to stop. And folks, it has to start here at Northside so that we can penetrate into this community. And right now, Goshen is in the midst of it. If you haven't been watching the paper and, and seeing what's going on down in Goshen right now with the allowance of the sodomy and saying, putting that stamp of approval upon it, uh, folks, this is, this is what's happening. We can't even think reasonably anymore. This day and age, folks, that we are living in, in these the last days, the times he describes is, 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 is going to be perilous. And idolatry is going to be coming worse. And, and, and folks, I just have to share with you my heart today. There is now to a place because of internet, because of everything that's going out there, we have gone from worshipping that which is invisible, the true living God, which we have not seen, yet we love, he tells us. And we are now worshipping that which we see. We have come to a place where we are worshipping the body like never before. We're becoming like... Athens. We are looking at that the body is such a premier part of our livelihood. Every other commercial is about how to get flat abs, how to get bigger, how to get this, how to get that. You know, take this pill, you lose 100 pounds. You know, have this... It's just like everything. Am I I, I, I anyone seeing this? I mean, we have such a guilty conscience. It's like, oh man, I got a flab here. It's like, oh no. I call it I'm on the level. I've got the bubble in the middle. And I'm okay with that. So here we go through the life, and everything's about. It. And so instead of it going from just this direction, this direction, all of a sudden we begin to examine the, the body. And now, all of a sudden, this culture is all about the human body. And now it's come to the place so deep, folks, that the sodomy literally has taken over our culture. Hence Goshen right now. And you know it's going to be coming into Elkhart. You know it, and I know it. The rights and the privileges. Now I'm not so so upset, folks, at the world. I expect that of them. Here's what irks me. Is that now, those who are claiming Christ are putting a stamp of approval on this as something to be tolerated, and it is a way of lifestyle. According to the Scriptures, it is wrong, it is sin. That God has created man and woman to be able to have children. And so now all of a sudden, we're dealing... Poor Nathan has to deal with this with the new mindset coming up through that has known nothing but this being something that is right and permitted, and has never even examined that there is a right and a wrong with it all. And that all is opened up. And so now Nathan, who's dealing with kids, whose parents are mom and mom, or dad and dad, are now trying to get in here and to try to show masculinity how a man is not to act like a girl on purpose to attract a man to him. It's like, what are we doing? And this is what is being taught, and this is now becoming the norm. And you say, why? Genesis chapter 3 says sin comes into the world. All of a sudden, there's a temptation, there's these testings that people go through, and now the mind is going off into areas and things that it ought not to, instead of taking those things that oppose themselves against the knowledge of God and putting them into captivity. Here's how far Ahaz went. You say, well, this is so foreign to us. Oh, really? Ahaz, who reigned 16 years, this is is Hezekiah's dad, First thing he did, he allowed children to pass through the fire. You say, "What does that mean? Literally, they would take their children alive and well and sacrifice children to gods. You say, oh, that's not America." No, we don't wait till they're even born to kill them. You, now listen, why do we do this? Well, we don't want to inconvenience the mother. What does that mean? You don't want to be inconvenienced? Well, it could change my life and my career. So you have no problem with killing a baby so that you can have more things? So you can have a better lifestyle? You don't want to inconvenience yourself? So who is your God? He displaced the altar. I had mentioned about this one. He took the altar that God had established and pulled it to the side where the, by the way, this is really was powerful, it was a place of the burnt offerings which is the picture of our salvation. The very first place. He says, get that salvation one out of the way. I got something better. And he made one. This particular altar, as he had seen it, in Damascus. And then on top of that he gave the king of Assyria treasures from the very house of the Lord by the way that goes back to David Solomon that they are bringing all of these things in for the wealth of the nation of Israel and he was willing to give his wealth out to the others for protection, the very aid that would come from the king instead of the Lord himself. And here's what's really powerful That there were three major prophets, and Isaiah in particular, talks about Ahaz in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, Hosea, and Micah were all prophets during the time of Ahaz, Hezekiah's daddy. All of these had messages to him. He heard the word of the Lord. By the way, a familiar uh, message that Isaiah had to Ahaz. A virgin shall conceive. And bring forth a son. Wow. And he's like. I got a better God. Folks. What, what is it. That drives us. What is it that motivates us. What is it that we think about. What is it that when we get up, we're, we're, we're meditating on? And when we have that quiet time, we're all alone. is consuming our thoughts. What really is our God? Who really is our God? And it is time for us as Christians to seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. And then those things we're all worried about, He'll give them to us. He will give them, provide them for us. Folks, I'm telling you right now, this day and age with materialism, many churches are in trouble. You know why? They're worri- worried about temples. They're all worried about things and possessions. And let's go in debt. Let's build. and let's, If you build it, they will come. The church of dreams, you know. And guess what has happened? It's come back to haunt them. Because, as Titus says, whose gods are their bellies. Trying to get more and more and more and more. And these false teachers have given these false hopes to people. And they have built up these great temples of millions and millions and millions of dollars of indebtedness. And now all of a sudden people are losing their jobs and they're saying, but you promised if I would give you this that I would have a hundredfold or at least tenfold. And where is it? Show me the money. And now all of a sudden the question of this prosperity gospel is affecting churches and now all of a sudden churches are having problems making payments. All of a sudden banks are going to churches now. I'm hearing this and saying, okay, well at least we'll cut down and you can make interest payments. And before long, we're going to be starting to hear about churches going up for sale because they can't make the payments to the banks. What are we thinking, people? We are so urgent on the instant and the now that we have not even sought the very face of God for something so important as to handle God's money. We can't think straight. We're losing what we would call good old-fashioned common sense wisdom that would come from the fear of the Lord. But Hezekiah says, but my God, Jehovah, is my strength. So what he purposed in his heart to do was the right thing. The right thing. I love that phrase in verse number 3. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever done this. You go through the Kings, and right at the beginning, it'll usually say, and he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, or he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Do you ever stop and think, if, if the, the books were written right now about you and me, what would, we, what would be the heading? And Dave Single did that which was in the sight of the Lord. You know, it's just fill in the blank. I'm around Dave. I know what God would say. when we look at our life what is it really viewed as? oh he did that which he wanted to do he did that which was very selfish and he did really well in this lifetime or he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and and the key is that which was right he did which tells us of obedience obedience is a really 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 important thing in the Bible obey we don't want it like that. You know why we don't like obey? Wake up. Come on, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I'm putting you, I told you, I warned you I was going to put some of you to sleep. I'll come down here and change the, the visual. So, so obedience, as we used to tell our kids, is doing what you're told when you're told with the right heart attitude. Okay? So we do what we're told when we're told to do it with the right heart attitude you know what that means i'm not in control and that's why we don't like obey obedience i don't want to do it now this is not convenience because hey by the way when i was a kid we had we had a tv it was black and white and we got two stations one was kind of fuzzy Okay, on the farm, we had this old antenna. And uh, all the kids in town, when, when, they, when they would get on the bus the next day, they'd talk about all the shows that they were watching, you know, when they got home, all the kids, you know, shows and stuff. And they said, did you like that? And I'd say, I didn't have a chance to watch it. And they'd say, well, why not? Mom and Dad won't let you? No, I wanted to watch it, but I had to go to the barn and I had to work. Okay? You say, well, couldn't you have convinced Dad to change when you had to work schedule? I don't on the farm, you don't. Know you got to do what you're told and when you're told with a right heart attitude or there was a way that dad could convince us <laughs> to do what we're told when we're told with a right heart attitude and he did several times one time my brother and I we were out in the neighborhood we were supposed to be home at 3 o'clock get the milking and you know get all the cattle down and everything we we're supposed to do we were we came to the barn and sure enough dad couldn't be found And so we thought because dad wasn't there, we didn't have to do our work. He is absent. So we went back and we started playing with the neighborhood friends. Before long, dad came in and, wow, did he hammer us that day. Man, we got a whooping. I will not forget that. I am 49 years old and I will not forget that day and that whooping. (laughs) Guess who didn't do that again? Isn't this, aren't aren't we just big kids? wrestling with our heavenly father on what is the right thing to do and to obey i'll do that when i want to i don't want to do it now it's not convenient in my lifestyle cuz i want to do this i want to watch this i want to you know this is back before vcr's you know you couldn't record something you miss things and it hurt folks life there's things that we want to do There's objectives that we have in life. But there are times that God's going to step into our lives and He's going to change everything all up. And it's going to go against our grain. We're not always going to like it. Sometimes it hurts. But I have yet to find in the Scriptures someone who obeyed the Scriptures and obeyed the voice of the Lord and regretted it. But I could show you page after page of those that didn't want to do what God said and they regretted it big time. Hezekiah didn't regret it. Ahaz to this day has regretted it. Obedience. Doing what we're told when we're told with right heart attitude. So here we are. We're trying to train up kids. And so we say, listen, we need you to do these certain things. We need you to come home. We need you to get your homework done. We need you to the right right thing. That way your grades are good, that way you can qualify for college someday, that way you can actually get a job hopefully after you graduate, we don't know this day and age, you can graduate with a great degree and not even have a job waiting for you. And so so here we are, we're trying to get them, them through all this. And it comes down to a really really simple thing. We're trying to teach you when you come home you do your homework. Now they're thinking I want to watch TV and crash, I've been to school all day long. But you're not thinking about the here and now, you're thinking about college. You're thinking about down the road they're thinking this half hour show that everybody's talking about and they cannot see the future they can't see what's coming down the road as a result of obedience folks that's what we are we're a bunch of kids that can't see what our Heavenly Father can see he sees the big picture for us what's best for us and we're living in the here and now And it's really hard for us to see the future so God says do this then we do it and when we obey that then we are going to actually grow to be able to fulfill what we want, really want to be down the road. and it all comes because of obedience. Now does anybody know, not know here as a Christian that we should pray? Any, any Christian here not know that we're supposed to, to pray? Now I'm going to ask you a question: How's your prayer life, Christians? Seriously. What did you pray about this week? E- even today? How's how's that time in the Bible, in the Word of God, your personal devotions, not what you get Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, those of you who decide to come want those services? (laughs) How are you you doing in the Word? What are you doing? What are you growing in? What what are you getting out of the Word? If if you and I were sitting down across the table, what would we talk about with what you're learning in the Word right now? How are you growing? What's God working in your heart about in the Word? You say, you mean it gets that deep that God is actually talking to me one on one? You're getting it. Yeah, I'm raked over the coals. I wish I had time to preach the things that God convicted me about in my personal devotions. Uh, Roloff, I think it was what used to do that. Whatever he had in his devotions that morning is what he preached on. I like that. That's a great idea. It was on his heart. God was working him over. And then. I think we know we're supposed to like, do good works. Anybody not know as Christians, we're supposed to actually be good people? Moral? Doing the right thing? Love our neighbors as ourselves. You know? How's it going? And these are the preliminary things. Then it comes into the walking in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. All of a sudden, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are the things that we're supposed to be guided by the Spirit of God in our lives. And we're supposed to go against those things that are in the flesh, the works of the flesh, all those corrupt things that Ahaz was involved with. And these are the things that God says. Now, let me, let me show you a principle here about this whole thing of obedience. Let's go to John chapter 3. And I think this will really help you to see it. John chapter number 3. And it's your turn here. What I'm trying to show you is Hezekiah did right in God's sight, obeyed Him, and he chose to go against the numbers, to go against what was done, to even go against his own father's judgments, to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he opposed those things. And uh, you, you have to stop and say, why is it, that Ahaz determined to do wrong, Hezekiah determined to do that which is right. Well, first of all, in this chapter, Jesus Christ is talking to a man named Nicodemus. You say, "Uh, we're going to learn obedience from this text? Oh, we certainly are. And this man, whose name is Nicodemus, who is a religious ruler, didn't believe at that point that Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus begins to explain to him from the Old Testament about this principle of of what Christ has done and, and why Jesus came and he needed to be born again. So he says in verse 17, God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So he's telling these words to Nicodemus. And you say, well, what happened to him? Well, he did become a believer. We firmly believe that. But he had to teach him something to get him to a point of obedience. It says, verse number 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And here's the key. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The deeds represent what they obey, what they want to go towards. And right now, we are looking at the subject of light and darkness. Which are we going to allow ourselves as Christians to be underneath of to obey? Now here Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and many believe that he became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now my friend right now, if you are here and you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're in disobedience to God. He he is saying this is what you need to believe. This is what you need to put yourself under and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved, to be given eternal life. Now here's, here's what goes through the mind right away. What does that mean? Okay, if I believe Jesus, so what? What do I have to change? That mean I can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. And all of a sudden, we start thinking about my life the way I like it, and now it has to change. And God says most people, as they hear the gospel, are going to say, I like my life the way it is. I don't want anybody else handling it. Because I like to drink. It's fun. I like to do drugs, it's fun. I like me, I like all my actions, I like all these things, and what you have done is taken God off the throne and put self right up there as, uh, as an idol. And God says, you have to tear that baby down and say, God, I'm wrong, and I need to put you up and put you first. But man says, I like darkness rather than light, because what I'm doing is what I like. It's a lot of fun. And as a Christian, when I first became a Christian, I struggled with things. Because I knew to become a Christian meant there was going to be changes in my life. I didn't know what they were exactly, but I knew there was going to be changes. And I resisted that. And I hesitated becoming a Christian. Because people would look at me different. They'd laugh at me because I'm a Christian. Oh, you go to church. You carry your Bible. You do these things. And all of a sudden, I came to that concept where I said, you know what? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am no more ashamed of this I will carry my Bible I will let it be seen my little neighbor she good little friend of mine little Maddie she's so cute she comes up one night after church Wednesday night we we're going home I grabbed my Bible and came out and all of a sudden she looked at me and looked at my Bible looked at me and looked at my Bible and it's like I've never seen you with a Bible before and she didn't ask or inquire about it she's such a cute kid and uh, they go to church and stuff but 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 all of a sudden this was like you know what we shouldn't be ashamed to be Christians This this is our banner. This is what's over us. This is what represents us. And here, everyone, verse 20, that does evil, hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth, cometh to the light, his deeds may be made manifest or revealed, that they are wrought God. So here's what happens. As we go through life, and I got to shut down, I know I'm boring you, but as I'm going through life, all of a sudden, I come to that place where I say, Jesus died for me, and I believe in him as my personal Savior. And he says, guess what, Carl? Now we got a road to walk. We have some things to change. And he starts revealing things in our life, and we begin to slowly transform to get things out, put things in. We've talked about that with the potter. And all of a sudden, God says, now listen, there's some things that God had, or you have in your life that God is not approving. It's time to cut them out and time to start to change those things. And that's exactly what Hezekiah did. Next week can't wait to preach this uh, we're actually looking at one of the texts that we're going to be dealing with because man in his idolatry will take that which was God meant for good and turn it into an idol in the very brazen altar that saved their lives they made it as an idol and uh, we're going to see that we're going to see the picture of Christ there and what was necessary for them to do Folks, this, this, hopefully you're going to get a hold of, of what's happening in this man's life. And it all started with him standing up and saying, God, I'm listening to Isaiah. I'm listening to the prophets. Because Isaiah spoke of him also, by the way. Of Hezekiah. And he did the right thing. He listened to the Word of God. And he began to change his life to be more like Christ. Folks, every day we as Christians are faced with choices. And what it is time for us to do is to stop and say, what would Christ want me to do? What would the Word of God tell me to do? And then do it and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Christians, we have to be careful of idols. You say, really? Yeah, First John ends it that way. My little children, keep yourselves from idols so we can get involved with this stuff and not even realize it. Let's stand up, examine a word, and obey. Lord, bless the time and your word. Thank you for it, and use it. Lord, the quietness of this moment, of this invitation Each of us should be searching our hearts and Lord, if there are some here this day realize that they have other gods before You and that it is time for them to tear the idols down as Hezekiah did and put You first. It may be in salvation for some. It may be even as Christians that we have gotten so out of focus that we have put other things before You. Lord, forgive us. I pray that you'll use this message in this invitation time. It is yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.